Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Podcast. Today, I'm featuring a guest, Sam, who's overcome some great challenges in his own journey. How are you doing today, Sam? Yeah, not too bad. I much appreciate you um, bringing me on board with this podcast. It's always nice to share my experiences and uh, yeah, give you a little bit of insight to support what your uh, great work's already been doing. Yeah, I appreciate that. I know one of the one of the reasons that this podcast came together is to show our achievements and show our overcoming great challenges in our life. So just to talk about you a little bit, Sam, uh, I know you're from the UK, you're a new friend I've made here. And uh, what else can you tell us about yourself? Um, a brief overview for myself. So I was born actually in the US. Uh, so I'm one of the lucky people to have a dual nationality. Um, I've traveled around a lot. Um, I took a tourism degree, worked out in America, and now reside in Bristol, uh, in the southwest of England. And yeah, currently just trying to sort of get, get through things as I can and, and always looking to improve new things. I also do uh, participate in, in various different activities as well. So I'm a big motorsport fan, big sports fan. Um, that does include watching some of the American sports when I can. But that's not always easy when you've got uh, anywhere between a five and eight hour time difference. So uh, occasionally there's a, a one o'clock in the morning getting up and watching um, some sport. But, you know, dedicated to the cause. So, yeah. That's that's great. It, it You know, it sounds like you kind of have an understanding of two cultures. And uh, one thing I did want to touch on is you mentioned that uh, when I was speaking to you that there is something that you have really overcome when it has come to having personal judgment in your life and being able to not only overcome that within yourself, but with it, be able to overcome that with other people. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about what has given you some struggle? So it's a good question. Uh, and yes, we have touched on it. One of the, the thing that I found out when I was probably a young teenager um, after my parents had noticed uh, and trying to understand why I was slightly different to the rest of the kids at school was that I exhibited and have traits of something called Asperger's syndrome, which is part of autism. And that was a bit of a shock to us because on the one hand, we kind of went, okay, well, that, that would explain it. But more importantly, what is this? How does it affect me? And what can we do to adapt and help him to move on from it? So at school, when I was I said, a young teenager, I was going through uh, primary school and secondary school. So I was getting to the point where it was leading up to my GCSEs. And I was still getting a bit of a old bullying going on and the jives and everything else. But I, I wasn't equipped enough. I wasn't intelligent enough to understand how to cope with it but also the bullying that is but also understand as to why it was happening and it was laying me down to the fact that i wasn't very good at social cues i wasn't very good at socially interacting with people and i kind of just fell into a norm and just kind of didn't really push myself out to other groups i was just only if someone would accept me and talk to me then fine i talked to them i wouldn't go out but i know i want to chat to them and interact with them and understand them and get to know them so i kind of was a very basic level and so my parents, being at the time uh, both working, 
club together to basically try and understand fast tracking the system to understand what it was and, and how it affected me. And in their own ways, they were both very supportive. They were both a rock to me, uh, despite the fact that obviously my mother was at home with us because she was working locally. And my dad at the time was a successful businessman and still is to this day. But he was out in Southeast Asia working. So obviously, naturally, he couldn't be there physically for me. But what he was doing was every time he was out there, he'd obviously call us in to check on us and, and chat to us. And every time we spoke, he asked me how my day was going, how I was doing at school, how things were generally, because although he couldn't be there physically, he still wanted to be very much a part of it because he was very conscious that his son was dealing with something that both me and my parents and my brother didn't know how to deal with. So while my mum was able to be there physically and support me, my father was doing his best to still be there, but on the phone. So to get collectively as a rock, as a unit, we got through it. Um, sadly, though, what that led to was obviously at school, my grades were decent. I was going to be going into senior school. I was going to go to the upper sixth. I was made friends. I was all set for it. And then, unfortunately, headmasters changed and I had to jump schools. Now, this is where we first noticed that, that for me, jumping from one social group to another did take a torrid effect. I was massively upset. I didn't know how to deal with it. I was, I, I was just clueless. I was like, it was one of these things, like it's a cat headlight thing. Where do you go? What do you do? Like, how do I deal with all this pent up stuff? And my parents not only had to sort me out with schooling, they also had to deal with a kid that didn't know how to deal with any of this. And this was another thing we noticed was change. Everyone deals with change differently. With autism, it's breaking a routine, breaking a habit. One of the things we like in our lives is structure. But the thing that that distressed us the most was the fact that I got built up a foundation of friends, a foundation in education, a foundation of I knew what was going for next, I knew what I was doing. I had the plan in place. And that all got wiped under our feet. And carpet pulled underneath us and we're like, okay, we have to make a change fast. <coughs> Which led to me going to senior school. And my parents did a phenomenal job of in the short space and time they had to work collectively to get me to another school. Now, I'm sure parents and kids and, and people who may listen to this podcast and people you may interview down the line, I'm sure hopefully there'll be many more who want to share their stories. People will understand that in life, when challenges come across to you, trying to deal with them in that short space of time is not easy. So if anyone out there does deal with this, it, don't worry, you're not alone. It isn't easy. What my parents did for me in the space of literally like a month was incredible. They took me from one school to another. They found it, they researched it, they met them, we got there. They moved me in the space of, as I said, in the space of finishing GCSEs to sixth form. I can't remember exactly the time frame, but it wasn't very long. However, that was a turning point for me, but at that point in time, I didn't know it was coming. For what happened next, I was totally unprepared for, but it changed the way I entirely look at my life now. Wow, it sounds like they were really there to help support you with this great burden that you suddenly came upon and kind of discovered. And I'm sure that wasn't the only support that you had with understanding what this new challenge was in your life. No, it wasn't. 
uh, and go continuing that story on. So we got to senior school. I got to a smaller school in Bath. To give you an indication, this new school had about circa of just over four or five hundred students max. Clifton College has nearly a thousand. So you can imagine a little kid like me dealing with a uh, like this. Actually, the move we made was perfect for me because it was smaller people, so it meant it was less to take on board. But it's still a new school, so I joined the school, and I was kind of reveling it. I was like, "This is a new start, new friends. What on earth do I do?" But I was excited for the challenge because I just learned about this thing, and I was still unsure about everything. But I pretty soon on in in the schooling, um, I was also for the first time I was staying away from home. This was something that I'd only tried on few occasions at my last school because, and people will laugh at this, I lived less than a mile away from my house and my parents got me and tried to get me into boarding a little bit. Probably because, let's be honest, when parents get to a point, they want a weekend away or they want to go on holiday. I mean, why not? They, they, they support the kids enough. We want a break, so we're going to put you in school and we're going to go, right, you're staying at school for a week. But I live half a mile up the road. Nope, nope, you're staying at school. So you can imagine the conversations we had when we were at primary school. And I'm sure parents and people will look back and go, yeah, yeah, we've all had that conversation before. But the beauty of moving to this new school was I couldn't go home that easily. And actually, you know what? I didn't want to. I wanted to, to embrace this challenge. That's something with autism is we take on a challenge. We're not afraid to get our hands dirty straight on and chuck ourselves into something because we want to learn we want to take everything on board so we can be the best that we can because we recognize that we are inequipped to certain environments so we want to learn how to adapt to that environment where we can but that's obviously once you get understanding it more i this is where i've met one of my very good school friends and to this day we still chat obviously he's a family man now he's got two kids he runs a very very successful car business but whenever we chat it's like we were when we were at school. And that for me is fantastic because we still take the Michael out of each other. We still rib each other. We still give each other abuse, but you know, that's what best friends do. But whenever I'm around him, you can tell he always has my best interests at heart. Whether he says it in a way that people would understand or not, he doesn't, but he's always there. He's, he's always been there. And, and credit to him and his family, they took me under their wing. And to this day, I have a lot of gratitude because at school, it's tough. He recognised he suffers from dyslexia. I obviously suffer from our case of Dispergis. So in some ways, we were like dumb and dumber, like two peas in a pod, but not sure how the other one's going to react. Um, and it was a bit of a, a, a cameo act for a while. But then he was quite switched on. He was quite assertive in certain ways, and he helped me to adjust the schooling. And as a result, I actually had the two best years of my life in school because of this guy, because he got me into social stuff. He got me meeting new friends. He got me interacting with girls. I know that's going to sound like a real crazy statement to say. But before then, I didn't know how to interact. I mean, I guess people would use the word flirt. Like, I didn't know how to do that. I had no idea. That was one of the things about Asperger's. I learned very quickly that I had absolutely zero skills at. I was like, how do you talk to a girl? But what do you say? I could talk to guys, fine. Talk to girls. <laughs> like I needed a degree in it. I was so what do I do? How do I interact with this beautiful creature in front of me? What do I say to her? 
because most people didn't kind of just ask questions. I didn't know because I didn't know the social etiquette of how you interacted with people because I was so, as we'll go on a bit further, there was parts of me that I still was getting to know, if that makes sense. I was still understanding how this whole Asperger's part of me worked. And, but I, I tell you what, I, I got recognition in many ways from the school, from both my house, head housemaster who made me a prefect, which I was absolutely stunned by, but I was really pleased to do it. I was made head of concert band. I was massively into music. My mum was a musician for a while and she studied music. So I was head of concert band to the point where I had to lead an entire choir in front of 200 people. And I had to start the, the, the whole sort of concert off. And there was so much pressure on me. I had to hear, I had to, I had to play about 10 or 20 seconds of, of intro. And I had to, had to hit the nail on the head on first time. And as they say, it was a bit of a, a squeaky bum moment. You're sat there going, there's a lot of pressure on me right now. Really can't mess this up, but we got to do it. And well, I did it, but yeah. So that was a great highlight for me. Yeah, and in what ways was something that gave you recognition from other people? I, I know you've come to these accomplishments, but was there some way that you had to work hard on your own in order to be able to build these connections? Yes, there, there was, and, that, and that's a great question to ask, and I, I do appreciate it because it's in life with us as, as being an Aspie, that there are many things that we challenge ourselves, many things that we try and achieve. And not all the time do we get recognised for it. That's something that my parents noticed too well, that people don't always recognise us as humans. One of the biggest ones I had, and this was just from senior school, was I was into sport. I was into hockey. I was into rugby. I was into cricket to some extent. Um, but generally, overview, I was a good all-round sports player. I wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. And I was playing for the second 15 rugby uh, and I enjoyed it. I'd been supporting bar, so I was really into it and I'm trying to be like uh, the next Matthew Perry, England fullback at the time, not that I was anywhere remotely there, but an icon to follow. So I was trying to follow him and watch him. But I also was always wanted to improve. I wanted to get to the next level. So I started going down to the first 15 training, knowing full well I wasn't going to get in, full well. But I was going there to support and I, every match was there. I was saying, oh, I was running out. I was like, I was known as the water boy. Um, if anyone's ever seen that film, they kind of understand why, what was going on with that. Like, never saw me as a that team player, but I was helping out. Anyway, over the course of the last year, I kept on doing this and the coach noticed this and he, know, he watched me in second 15 rugby and I was a decent player. I didn't score many tries, but I was always relied upon. I was passionate, I was committed. I was always giving what I could. And they recognised this and they, they appreciated it. So in the last game of the season, they put me as a sub on the first 15 team sheet because I didn't know anything about this. And I'm going along and everyone's crying around the team sheets and I'm stood there looking at the second 15 thinking, full well mind, I'm going to be on it. No. So there's a part of me went, well, let's just go have a look at the first 15. Let's just see who's playing. So I look down the team sheet, look down the subs. And I was gobsmacked. My name was on the subs for the first 15 rugby team. I was like, stood there. My best mate at the time, we literally came over and said, mate, are you all right? I was like, 
Have you seen the first 15 rugby team? Yeah, no. Have you seen the first 15 rugby team? I said, have you looked at it? And he looked at it, he was like, no, looked down. He looked at it and went, ah, oh, yeah, coach did say there was going to be a change on the, on the team. I was like, oh, really? Huh. Guess I'm playing with you tomorrow then, aren't I? He's like, mate, yeah, we, we can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Um, he said, all the guys knew that you were going on the subs, but we didn't want to tell you we wanted a bit of a surprise. I was like, well, that's a nice surprise, isn't it? Go to the canteen and everyone's like, oh, mate, you made the first 15 teams here. I'm like going, all right, boys, steady on. We're not going to the pitch yet, mate. <laughs> steady on. That's where I started to get a bit of the camaraderie bit. Like, I was just being me. I was learning to come into my own. Anyway, going for, play the game. Always good. Got on the pitch. Got the biggest applause ever going on there. Played for 10 minutes. Came off. Everyone's like, yeah, well done. Shaking hands. All this good. I mean, I had so many T-shirts on to bulk my shoulders up because I didn't want to get injured. Anyway, played the team. We won. I didn't score any tries, but it was a commitment. I was part of the team. I was really grateful. I went up to coach with you. Thanks, coach. No, you've deserved that. End of. Brilliant. We got going on and the school term finished and we had the award ceremony. And I'm sat there in the canteen and, and I'm part, part of the boys. I'm sat there, chat away, all looking suave in our suits and... The speeches come up and the awards are there and they're talking through and going through and I'm sat there just going like, I'm just enjoying this, he's out of the way. And then the coach stood up. He's like, oh, and the, and the next award, why, it is for a very special individual. And I was like, okay, there's several of those in this one. He's like, this, this guy, um, it, he's a bit special. Um, he's always a team player. He's always very passionate. I don't remember the full speech, but it goes something along the lines of this. And he stood there and he's going, this guy has he's played really good rugby all year and he's really shone. And I'm just thinking, around, going, oh, who's this guy? And, and this guy, is, he's come along and he's he supported the first 15 as well. And, and he's been, someone had known him as um, the water boy. And in my head, I started hearing, I started hearing whispers. Oh, because there's a few people who did this. So I was like, okay, I might be one. I'm not better. He said, but this, un this unique character brought a f has, throughout this season, supported us in ways that most people haven't. He's always been there. He's always supported us. He's always been the water boy. He's come down to every single training session this year. And that's the point where I'm, everyone's going, it's Sam, it's Sam. I won't use the language they were using, but it's the team, it's Sam. I'm sitting there going, well, there's two Sams on this team. So it could be one of them. And then the unexpected happened. He said, so I'd like to award the character, the Michael Pell Character and Commitment Award to, and then said my name. And the room exploded with applause. There was not one single person sat down. I'm sat there. I'm gobsmacked. I'm in my mind going, it's like when everything slows down in a movie, you're suddenly looking around going, what else am I supposed to get up right now? And everyone's like, get up, get, get up, go, go, get up there, go. Of course, I'm there, like, beaming, not sure, so I just walk up to him and I'm looking around. I am so nervous. I have no idea how to react. I stand on stage, look at him in the eye, handshaking. Thank you, sir. Like, thank you. And he's like, no. He's like, you've deserved this. Like, no one else in, in the school was anywhere near. Like, you deserve this. This is for you. And as I turned around, it's like being in the Oscars for me turned around not one single person wasn't clapping the everyone from the hallway come out as well so people were lined around the wall this room takes 300 people mind all the staff kitchen people were clapping 
even and, and the girls are beaming, the guys that look, and, and I'm just there and all going, people recognize me for something that I didn't even know I was coming to. And anyway, I walk back down the steps and I'm walking along. I've got girls beaming, smiling, waving me, giving me all that glinty eye look and cheeky smile, and the guys like high-fiving me and patting me on the back. I sat down and the best way it looked to me was like, mate, you're on a beer. And I turned around and went, beer ain't gonna solve this, mate. I need a bottle of something strong, like JD whiskey. J Jack Daniels, you got some of that? He looked at me and went, got one in the room. I was like, we're not supposed to drink in the room. So I spoke to the coach. We were going to his house. I was like, are we? He said, yeah, post celebrations. I was like, <laughs> when do we leave? And I just, everyone, and then everyone sat down. Of course, they're chatting away. And then at the end, everyone's coming up to me. And I've got this trophy and everybody handshaking me, pat me on the back. The girls are giving me a big hug. I'm like, <laughs> one girl came over. Oh, I'd had the pots for the entire year in school. I, in my head, just went, where do I put my hands? How do I hug this girl? I had no idea. I was so engrossed in the fact that I'd been recognised as something that I was doing just because I wanted to do it, not even thinking that I was going to get a recognition prize. Okay, downside to that was my parents weren't aware of it, which I felt bad for, and I kind of gave them the trophy for a while, going, look, you've earned this, and then they pushed it back. I was like, no, guys. They were upset the school didn't tell them, but they were really pleased that I got recognised for something. And, and the moral of the story really on, on that whole thing was with anybody out there who's struggling with things, don't give up. Like, I wasn't expecting that recognition, but I got it. And I got it because I committed myself. And that's the thing about Asperger's is if you learn to commit yourself, you'll get there. It, tenacity, a lot of people drop back. For me, the recognition was the whole entire school, the coaches, the teachers, the headmaster, pupils from all years were there celebrating something with me not against me but with me they were in that moment with me like they felt the energy if not more than i did they were giving me back that sense of you've achieved this well done like you have earned this and i tell you what for me that was incredible i mean i was speechless for about five minutes afterwards i didn't know what to say everyone was coming up to me and i was like thanks I guess. <laughs> and my best mate in the corner went, you really don't know how to take appreciation, do you? I said, mate, no, I don't. He's like, just smile and you'll be fine. And again, to this day, he still does it. So that, that was an absolutely awesome moment for me. And I still relate to that to this day. I look back, if ever I'm in trouble, I look back and go, I've done that. I don't know how to do it. But it's about commitment and passion and not giving up yeah and in a way it's not it's not even just the fact that you got awarded and that everyone had to collectively come together to give you achievement you also the the greater part of this challenge is that you had to make a connection with everyone it wasn't just everyone suddenly deciding that you deserve this achievement but that you had to make connections with people individually. You had to make friends. You had to go about connecting to your coach. And that's a great challenge for you when it comes to being an actual uh, mental challenge that is hard to emotionally connect with others. It is. And, and that is something that's being an Asperger's person. 
you have to understand how to go about adapting to the situation. In that, in, in that time of two years at school, I learned more about me than I had done before because I was opening up, but people were allowing me to find my feet. They were accepting me. That's the big word there, acceptance. A lot of people in this world will suffer from all sorts of things with dyslexia, Asperger's, ADHD, depression, mental anxiety. I mean, we can go on. And I think every one of those people who suffers from that and many more conditions that I haven't mentioned would all say that the acceptance part is the key thing for them because if people can accept you for who you are, that's one big step in the door for you just to be yourself. And everyone wants to be themselves, but the thing with that, all these conditions, especially with mine is, no one knows how to understand this. No one knows how to, to act around it because we're different. They're like, oh, they, they just do me wrong, you're odd. But when you get accepted like that, you suddenly go, I can be me. Obviously, you adapt and change, and every time as you get older, you learn more things about yourself. But that was a real stepping stone to being accepted. And, and also, it was, it was just nice to have people at school for the first time ever genuinely recognize me and accept me for who I am. And, and even at the end, when, when everything had over, at the end of school when I finished, people who I had met once or twice came up to me and from that moment on they recognized me. And it was recognition that they saw it. They didn't know much about me, but everyone was like, mate, like you've made it. You've done a really good job. Like you've earned that. And, and people, saw me in a different light from this child who was kind of very nervous to someone who put their heart and soul into it. And i tell you what, when people look back at that moment, uh, if you look from out, people would be like, who is this kid? But it made people go, he's not afraid to adapt and accept who he is. And that's the strong point there, is being able to accept you are who you are and there are many things that happen in life that we can't change but it's knowing that if you believe in yourself work with your support systems you will overcome these things and you'll have more challenges in life and you'll learn more things about things which i have up to this day learned still yeah but the acceptance part of it was knowing that people around you will in time accept you for who you are and that, that's the, the be on end of that. It was accepted. The minute I got up and got that trophy, I felt like I'd been accepted. And that had been a huge route for me. I mean, I was, what, 17, 18 at the time? Like, the last 10 years, if not more, I hadn't been accepted. I didn't feel like I'd been accepted by anybody. I was just being me. I had been bullied in all sorts of ways. Obviously, from, from being at school, not, nothing to do with anything else. So at that point, it was like, the first time in my life I was like this is incredible I want more of this and yeah it was it was just it was fantastic absolutely yeah. heartwarming it's great that there was this really fantastic support system that was around you to reflect back to you your strong points uh, in a lot of ways I think it's really important for people to show each other some recognition for their strong points. And, and there's points in your life, I think that, or in anyone's life that I think they encounter these positive people, but they have to be selective 
in actually bringing these people into their life and actually holding you know true to the the good people that do surround you in your life there's also a, a second part to that i i think when it comes to and you you touched on this having some acceptance within yourself and being able to understand your challenge but also being able to grow within yourself in some yeah. ways this challenge has maybe been that much tougher for you not just in getting the recognition from other people but being able to accept within yourself what your troubles are uh, and from your story it touches you in the future that you have this experience of having recognition but if you're someone out there who doesn't have an experience of recognition, what do you, I can see there being the second part, which will be something that is even stronger with your experience and something that helps you grow as a person in your life, which I would think would be something that, that just talking with you, I, I know that you've grown in. What is something that you have really worked on uh, within yourself that you feel has helped you on the other side of this as well. It, you, you raise a very good point there. And I think a lot of people will look upon that and, 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 and wonder how else they can improve. And, and one thing that I did notice recently is I caught up with um, an ex-partner of mine um, end of last year. And we, we'd been, we dated for about a month and a bit. And it was all good fun and enjoyable. And we had a distance to deal with. And she just ended it. And I had no idea why. And I was honestly blown away because you get all the, the phrases of, oh, it's not you, it's me. And I don't feel like the chemistry is out of connection. And you had you going, what does all this mean? So I went ahead and, and when lockdown, when we were in lockdown, due to, due to the circus, unprecedented times that we're in, I started trying to research more into understanding the possibilities of what the elements could have been that had prevented these relationships that I'd had with this girl and, and potentially others in the future of what was going on. Because I was like, well, I'm a normal guy, but there must be something I'm not doing. So I started researching on Asperger's and relationships and, and trying to understand how relationships are affected when you're an Aspie. And something that came up, which I'm, I'm sure everybody can relate to in relationships because we've all been there we've all questioned oh why didn't it work and i found out something called emotional intelligence or an emotional connection and i had heard about it before and i kind of knew a, a basic concept of what this was talking to people understanding who they are and getting to know them but what i could never understand was i thought i was doing everything right so i thought oh, i'll look into this more so i watched more youtube stuff and read into it more and what I found out was really fascinating. And that was that being an Asperger's person, our brain doesn't always mature at the same rate that others do. And when I say that, what I mean by that is most people, when they go through their life, they say like girls mature faster than guys, which no doubt is very true. And I'm not going to hold that. I know some good friends of mine who are very mature for their age. And... I was trying to understand and go, well, what does that mean? And anyway, I learned that, that with the Spurgeon's people, we have something called mind blindness. And what that basically essentially means is that part of our brain, which is the emotional connection, which is the part that 
we use or any human being uses to connect with people, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, going into dating, courting, relationships, being married, etc. That part, most people's parts of their brain will develop at roughly the same rate as they grow at as their age. However, for Asperger's people, sadly, that doesn't happen to us. It's actually half our age. So I'm currently 35, which means my age is going to be, I mean, my maths ain't great, but it's going to be just around about 18, 19, maybe about that roughly. I mean, I'm not a huge mathematician. My father will tell me I've got that number wrong already. Um, but that's what I, I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I, 17 and a half years old, had to do a calculation there, had to use the computer. Yeah, hands up, guilty as charged, mathematician didn't work then. But what I realized was my brain wasn't functioning at the same rate as others because my, my brain on that emotional connectional area wasn't fully developed. So I'm trying to have relationships with people as a 35 year old man, but with an emotional brain of 17 and a half years old. So I'm acting on the emotional level. When I come back in senior school, so if you think back to when I was at senior school, my brain didn't know how to do it because it was still like it was eight years old, if not younger. So I'm constantly on this path of trying to fast forward that, to learn faster, to adapt, to, to become better at it because I was sick and tired of always being rejected, whether that's from friends, girls, anything like that. I was so tired of it. And I was like, right, we're gonna get into this. We're gonna understand it. We're gonna try and get a bit more of understanding of what it is, how we cope with it, and how I can adapt to it. So I started watching YouTube videos of what emotional connection meant, how you go about doing it, the elements, the basic structure of it all, because I was determined to not let this mind blindness that I have or past of what I have affect my future relationships. Because I was like, I want, I want to be single all my life. I want to be in a loving relationship. But to do that, I have to understand the part of my brain that hasn't developed so I can help that person date me in, in the sense of if they, if they wonder if I'm a bit odd, a bit funny, but yeah, I do this. But also explain to them, if need be, that, I operate differently to others. So I might make mistakes, but you've got to tell me what those mistakes are and then I'll learn to develop it. Because the problem with a lot of people is they yeah, yeah, we'll sort that. A week later, we'll do the same thing again. The one thing about Asperger's people that we don't like doing is making the same mistake twice. No one likes doing it, but with Asperger's people, it affects us differently. We feel like we've, we've failed because we don't like rejection, because we don't understand why we've not done it right. So that's what I learned. I learned about the intelligence, the emotional part of it, why it affects us, and that we can't, we struggle to connect in that way. So I've done a lot of research and a lot of video time and a lot of probably sleepless nights and using all the devices I have available to me to watch countless videos to understand what emotional connection is because it was important to me. Yeah, and, and that's, it's not easy to develop yourself 
emotionally to be able to communicate with people emotionally uh, that that sounds like something that is takes time and takes a lot of effort and research so it's definitely shows that you are trying to overcome this great challenge by putting a lot of work into it but there's also this aspect where a lot of people don't really know what emotional intelligence is or what it means i think that in some ways uh there's a level of bonds that you have to create with other people that it's not always just for the pursuit of romantic relationships but these bonds that need to be created with anyone around you that is going to be positive in your life and one way that you can do that is through connection and talking on emotional connection what what does that meant for you like what what sort of what sort of bonds has that created in your life it's created many um in all fairness i mean look at us i mean we, we've we've got talking um over the, over the last couple of weeks and, and we, we've really got to understand more about each other and related in a way that actually has been very helpful for, for both of us what it's also helped me in particular help understand is it for future relationships to try and <clears throat> avoid the mistakes made in the past but also to understand how I can go about developing relationships on a stronger level so that I become a better person. Um, I mean, I have a much better relationship with my father now. Um, we run a race team and we've been doing, I mean, he's been racing before I was, since I was a kid, but for the last five plus years as a team, as a, as a unit, we've run his car and it's been very successful we, we we've been multiple championships within our class and because i've gone out and i've tried to understand and learn more about this emotional connection how you deal with it it's helped us as a, as a father and son team understand how each other ticks understand what winds each other up but also understand how we can both support each other because there's a key thing with emotional intelligence it's not just about understanding the person and understanding the emotional connection in relationships in terms of, of being in a dating situation romantic so to speak it's also about your family and friends it's knowing how to tap into that sub subliminal level and a deeper connection to understand that if someone is down or someone's struggling with something knowing how to empathetically connect in a way that goes look i know you're going through a tough time or, or things are difficult, like, I've got this, I'll do whatever I can, you just focus on yourself. And and, and for sure, I mean, that, that's happened a lot with my father and I um, over the, the course of the last couple of races, we've been through some tough times. Uh, and it's taken a toll on both of us because we're, as a unit, we feel each other's pain. It isn't easy, but we've come out the other side uh, and we're both this year looking to, to race um, and support each other where we can, which is fantastic um i know he's, he's very much he wants to, to to be racing more this year and and as the wine and we're both at the level where we want to support each other um with my brother as well we, we've done we've grown closer because i've understood more about the issues he that suffers from i i've we have good chats now and again we don't talk all the time but we're able to be open with each other and with my mum and i think the one thing as well to mention on the point of the emotional intelligence is with the current unprecedented times are in it's actually about keeping communication levels open with whoever it is whether it's an ex-partner whether it's your family your friends work colleagues 
with people you live around, because obviously every situation is different. But if you can try and connect on a level that makes them feel like your understanding of them and you want to get to know more about them or what they're going through or how their day's been or, or just encouragement and empathetic, it does help because no one wants to feel like, like they're alone. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there at the moment who are struggling. And it's, it's good to read up on these things and it's good to learn, like I've learned, of what your struggles will be, but also how to slowly overcome it and who to speak to, who to have your, your unit, your, your advisors, as my father would use as a better term, um, being a coach himself, is using those people you know to speak to if you're going through tough times. Because friends will always be there and parents will always be there, but there's certain people you can talk to who have been in that situation, regardless of what it is, and know how to encourage and can share their experience. And I think at this time, it's important to be able to be open and, and share where you can, because that's how you grow as an individual. You learn from other people. Yeah, I definitely think that that's something that we're all experiencing in this time is that we don't have as many distractions or as many ways of getting out and doing things to sort of pass the time. Now we're having to focus on the weak areas of our life. And I, I know that this is a tough time for a lot of us out there. And please, anyone who really needs to connect, just feel free to either message me or reach out to the other people in your life because something that Sam has touched upon and something that I think is really important during this time is being able to make your connections, being able to solidify them and also being able to just be open to see what other connections are out there. You, it's not necessarily about the outcome of the connection you make with someone else. There are positive people in your life and you might not even know that they're there. There's uh, people who have been supportive of you who were clapping in that theater the moment you got your award and who have seen you, you know, put the work in through the entirety of uh, you going through your, your sport and getting the award. There's a community that we have that a lot of people get distracted by uh, when things are normal because there's a lot of technology in this world. There's a lot of ways of distracting in this world. So I'm really glad that we got to touch upon that, Sam. Is there, mm. is there anything that you feel uh, you need to say in order to, to be able to any last message that you have for, for anyone out there? It doesn't necessarily have to be related, but anything that you would like to say to encourage others to reach out to each other? Right now, it's a case of just taking your time, taking your time to just help, be empathetic, be understanding, and just maybe learn to get to know people a bit and on a different level, because we've all been in the past we have a tendency to live in the past and look when all this happened or that happened. But what I've learned through my experiences is it's not about what happened in the past. It's how you learn to use that to better your future and the present. Because at the moment, presently, we're all struggling. We're all struggling. We're learning new things about ourselves and we all want support. So, I mean, something I'm doing is I'm just trying to take each day as it comes, 
I'm trying to understand better how to improve the issues I've had in the past. And going forward, it's just learning to get to know me more and get to understand others, but also to, to work and strengthen those bonds you've got with people. Oh, mate, you're, like, mate, that was awesome. Like, we should go and do that again. I have that with my best mate at the moment. We have been continuously doing something each week with each other to keep ourselves going because we know that's important. But that's just one thing of many, whether it's cycling, whether it's running, whether it's going for walks, whatever it might be. Like, it's just reaching out to people you might not have reached out to before and just keeping yourself busy and remembering that it's not the past, it's the present and the future. And that's what, that's what matters. Right. Uh, I appreciate you joining us today on Journey Podcast, Sam. It's been great talking with you. And uh, let's keep in touch. And uh, who knows? We'll we'll see about uh, you know yeah. where where everything takes us. And I, I hope more that uh, we all get in a better place in a couple months or wherever yeah. we go with this situation. But I, I really appreciate you joining us today, Sam. No, I and I appreciate your time. And I said I, I'm more than happy to share more experiences. Uh, I've got many more under the belt and I just hope that when people listen back to, to, to this one and to other podcasts that you do down the line and the ones you've done before, that people just feel like they're able to connect because I think that's the key. That's important at the moment. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's not easy to learn how to connect and it's, you've shown that connection is important when it comes to being in a hard time. So thanks again so much for joining us, Sam. You're more than welcome. Take care of yourself and we'll speak soon. All right. Thanks again. Thank you everyone for listening to Journey Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Podcast. Next time, we'll be talking about family and when it's not always perfect. <laughs>